0: Welcome to the City Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our messages. Our prayers that you would listen, learn and be inspired to love God, love others and serve the world. Subscribe and share these messages to bless others. Here's this week's message. City Alliance Church, how y'all doing? Uh, before we jump in, we join me, welcome those that are watching on Facebook right now. What's up Facebook? Welcome. We're so glad you're with us, whether it's online or in person. Uh, you know, we're kicking off the new year. We've been kind of spending time going through this series, kind of like looking at, hey, what are some next steps we can do in our spiritual life to help us grow, to help us kind of continue to uh, draw nearer to Jesus? In fact, one of the questions that I'm trying to train us all to be asking is, what's my next step? Step Like, what is it that God is leading me to do next so that I can grow in my relationship with Him? How is He speaking to me, and how can I respond to Him in the midst of that? And so today we're going to continue that series. Uh, But first, I just want to share that there's some kind of some bittersweet news. I think many of you have heard already that our executive director, Christy Sanders, is actually stepping down from our staff. But it's actually for an awesome reason. That is her son, or not son, husband... (laughs) Slow down, Nathan. Slow down. Okay. Her husband Jamie Sanders has just been called to be the lead pastor at Hillview Baptist Church in Williamsport. Can we just give God a praise for that? That's amazing. We one of the things that we need to do to sell, you know, as a as a way to kind of say, hey, this is what health is in a church. It's not just our seating capacity, but also our sending capacity. And the fact that, you know, they were here and now we're sending them out to go and serve at this other church is fantastic and jamie and chrissy have been super involved with our church for a long time and um you know it's bittersweet though because it means that chrissy's gonna be kind of leaving our community as she's gonna go off and uh, come alongside of jamie in fact his transition was pretty quick he's actually today is his first sunday so you could be praying for them and so you know usually when you know there's transitions we like to bring them up on 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 stage pray for them bless them and release them But we want to honor the Sanders, because they have been such an incredible part of our church. They kind of walked us through the pandemic, and there's still things that they're still a part of here today. And so one of the ways that we are going to be kind of saying goodbye is we are actually going to be writing thank you cards to them. So if you go outside after the service in the foyer there, we've got all these different thank you cards. And we're going to have them for the next two weeks. And we invite you to kind of write a thank you letter to Jamie, Chrissy, their kids. Maybe you want to share a memory that, of how they've touched you and how uh, they've meant to you. I know that will really uh, impact them. Uh, they're not going anywhere. They're still going to be in the community Um, but this is going to be a whole new assignment that God is leading them on. So it's an opportunity for us to celebrate just what God has been doing in them and through them. So please, if you know the Sanders, if they've had an impact on you, please make sure you go in the back and write a thank you card. I know they'll really, really be appreciative of that. Uh, One of our values here at City Alliance Church is risk. In fact, uh, the way we spell faith here is R-I-S-K, risk. That's how we continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Growth happens when we kind of step a little bit of outside of our comfort zone. And that's kind of how we do that. That's why we want to, as a church, do as many things as possible, do as many experiments as possible to accomplish our mission of transforming Williamsport with the gospel by reaching the last, the least, and the lost. So we we try a bunch of different things. Some things are going to work. Some things are not going to work. and, And that's okay. So one of the experiments that we've been running for the past 16 months is we've actually been having Two gatherings and there were all sorts of reasons why we did this originally one was our kids were actually like outpacing us and we had no more room for them like they're literally on top of each other and so we wanted to kind of create some more space for that we also wanted to create kind of a a time where hey you can come and serve with your family and then come and to a in-person service so attend one and serve one uh, we're also looking for a way to create more capacity to reach more people when you have multiple gatherings people can kind of come from different points in times and so we launched this about 16 months ago and at first it was working great we were seeing more people coming we were growing uh, we had a little bit more space for our kids and so over the past couple of months our leadership's kind of been evaluating going hey is this experiment working is it not working and what we found is it's not working the same way that it used to anymore it actually is you know we actually added an extra classroom so that kind of gave our kids more capacity uh, more people are coming to the 9 a.m rather than kind of an even split now now because y'all are early risers, which is amazing. That's a gift that one day I'm praying that the Lord will give me. Uh, and, you know, and also a couple other things. We, we're online now, so people can kind of watch online as well. And so one of the things that we're going to be doing starting for February 11th is for, we have a new service time. We're going, to be going down to one service at 10 a.m. on February 11th. And so just to give you guys a little bit of, 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 run, of runway there, you can kind of see where we're going with that along those. Now, you know, I think we learned a lot doing this, and we were able to see some things that God did, and and we were able to kind of learn from that. But here's the principle that as a church that we're always going to do. We're always going to try things. Some are going to work, some are not going to work. We're going to experiment with some things, and some things are going to fail, and that's okay. Because really, we want to do anything short of sin to reach the last, the least, and the lost. And so that means we're going to try some new things, because that's the mission that Jesus gave us. It says in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the names of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus' mission that he started, he handed off to us, and he is with us as we are accomplishing this mission to reach those who are far from God so that they can take steps closer to him and come into a relationship with him. This is why we're actually taking time over this past month to talk about our spiritual formation pathway or how we make disciples here at City Line Church. We want to tell you the why behind what we do so that we are all understanding it and we're all kind of on the same page. And so we talked about, you know, the spiritually uninterested. And we didn't really spend a lot of time because if you're not interested you're probably not here. <laughs> you're not watching online. You just, you just don't really care. It's not really like your thing. But at some point, people who are spiritually uninterested, they may show, hey, we, we want to be known. We want to be made aware. And, and so they cross a milestone where they become aware, they become spiritually curious. They've got questions about God, things like that. And last week we talked about what does it mean to go from being spiritually curious to cross the faith line and become a new believer. Uh, we're going to talk about being a disciple today. And then we're going to wrap up our series next week by talking about what does it mean to be a disciple maker. Now, if you've been a part of City Alliance for the past maybe a couple of weeks or a couple of months, maybe you've kind of been feeling a little bit of a tension uh, during this series, or, or maybe you felt it a little bit longer, and maybe you're not exactly sure what the tension is, but, but you're kind of feeling like, you know, I, I, if things feel different at church, things feel a little uncomfortable. We, we, we've we been talking a lot about, you know, people that are spiritually uninterested or spiritually curious people, a, a lot about, you know, to outsiders, But but what about me? I'm I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm a I'm a disciple. Like, how does that fit? Like, is this church still for me? Like, is this church just gonna be for spiritually curious and uninterested people? And if that's a question that maybe you've been asking or maybe you've been wondering, I have good news. I'm gonna answer it today. Who, who is our church for? Is it for the spiritually interested and curious? Is it for new believers, disciples, and disciple makers? You ready for the answer? The answer is yes. It's, yes, it's, it's for everyone. And, and this isn't something that I've come up with on my own. This is actually how Jesus operated. Whenever Jesus was preaching or teaching, he always had two audiences, but one agenda. Jesus had his core group of disciples that he was pouring into, that he was developing. But remember, whenever Jesus is talking, there's always like a crowd of people all around them. A crowd of spiritually curious and, and maybe some folks that are kind of wondering about what's going on. And so they're kind of, you know, leaning in to see what's this Jesus about. So he's always talking to these two audiences all the time. And he's always trying to help all of them take the next step. If they're disciples, how do you grow close to becoming a disciple maker? If you are a new believer or if you're spiritually curious, how do you take a step where you can actually make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life? Uh, the way I like to think about it is this way, is that as a church, we are Christ-centered and Bible-based. Meaning this, that everything we say, everything we think, and everything we do centers around Jesus. And the best way that we know about Jesus is through the Scriptures. So we teach the Scriptures. We, we don't water it down. We teach it, hey, here's what the Bible says. Because here's the thing, if you're spiritually curious, you want to know what the Bible says. If you're a disciple or a disciple-maker, you want to know what the Bible says. There's this uh, this desire, I think, in our world to know what does the Bible actually say about fill in the blank. And so that's what we're always going to be about here at City Alliance Church. We are going to be Christ-centered and Bible-based no matter what. Which is why today, this is a message that's going to be for you, for the majority of our church, who are disciples. If you're a disciple, today's message is for you. But if you're here or you're watching and maybe you're more spiritually curious, you're kind of watching from the outside in, I I want you to don't tune out stay with us, because God has something for you about what it would look like for you to continue to walk on this journey. So let's start by definitions. When we say disciple, what exactly do we mean by disciple? The Greek word for disciple is the word mathetes. Say mathetes, church. You are all good Greek scholars. I love it. So mathetes, and really literally what this means in the New Testament is a disciple is a student. They are an apprentice of a master teacher. So if you look at a blacksmith, a blacksmith has an apprentice, and they kind of hang out and work with the blacksmith for a number of years, and they actually become uh, a blacksmith, a master blacksmith. So in the same way, Jesus had these 12 guys around him who were apprentices, who were students, and the more time they spent with him, they would one day become master teachers or rabbis of themselves. And for a disciple, our goal is this, is that we would get to the place where we are mature. Maturity is our goal. We want to be mature followers of Jesus. That's kind of the goal of this phase. In fact, when you look at the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels, he's always challenging his disciples to mature, to take the next steps. If you look at the writings of Paul, one of the church leaders, he's always saying, "Hey, I want you to mature. I want you to stop drinking like milk like an infant, and I want you to start eating like the you know the, like the steak and like all that other stuff. I want you to grow in your faith." He's always challenging them. To grow and maybe you can think about people in your own life that you're like man they are mature believers there's like a depth to them. maybe you can't exactly put your finger on it maybe they're not the smartest person in the room maybe they they don't have they're not the most charismatic but there's something about them they're like man they have depth like they they know jesus they have a maturity about them you can tell that they have a relationship with jesus where they trust him you can tell that, man, all of their life is worshiping Jesus and all that they say and do, and they obey. And they have this growing confidence that they can trust in Jesus and they can put their faith in him and that he's leading and he's guiding them and he's transforming them. But how do we do this? How do we get to this place of maturity in our discipleship? Because we need to get to maturity so that we can get to that next threshold and be a disciple maker. Well, today I want to look at how we can do that by looking at a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 9, which I think is a very vivid example of how we can do this. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 9. I want to apologize because we started doing sermon notes, but our printer died this past week, and so we will have them back next week, I promise. But uh, in the meantime, you can either follow along on the screen, or otherwise, if you have a Bible, you can follow us along here. So, Dr. Luke is going to give us a prescription for how we can mature as disciples in our faith. So, starting at verse 18, it says this. Once, when Jesus was praying in private, and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? Let's pause for a second. So, this is one of the few times where Jesus, it's just Jesus and his disciples. It's just the 13 of them, they're in a circle, like, you know, maybe a campfire or something like that. The crowds are away, and and so they're having a prayer time. And then he asks them this question. Yo, guys, um, who who does everyone say that I am? Like, what are you you sensing out there? What's the word out on the street? And so here's how they respond. They say, well, some say John the Baptist. By the way, that's Jesus' cousin. Some of you know that. Others say Elijah, who's kind of like this superstar prophet. And still others that, that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. So here's the thing. At the time, there's all these rumors about who Jesus is. Like, who's this Jesus guy? Like, what's he all about? Like, is he just a really good teacher? Like, he's, a, he's such a great teacher. He makes the Bible come alive. Others are like, no, nah, man. No, he, he, he is an activist. He's like John the Baptist. He's like telling Israel, hey, Israel, you're going the wrong way. You got to go back this way. He, he's, a, he's a mighty prophet. And some are like, no, man, he's even more than that. He's like, Elijah, come back. You know, Elijah, superstar prophet. Jesus is like the ultimate prophet of, of prophets. And so there's this argument, that, that's, there's debate that's going on. But Jesus gets a little bit more personal. And he says, but what about, what about you, disciples? Who do you say I am? So this is what I call a faith line question. You guys remember last week we talked about the faith line where you cross the faith line and go from being spiritually curious to a new believer. So this is the question that Jesus is asking his disciples. He wants to see where they're at on the faith line. In fact, this is the question that all of us have to answer. Who, who is Jesus? Who, who is he to you? Is he a, a good teacher? Is he, a, you know, a, a guru? Or is he, as we're going to see, the lord and savior of your life peter the brashest of the disciples steps up and goes god's messiah so we know that peter and some of the other disciples they've stepped over the faith on they're like you're the savior of the world jesus you're the one who's the messiah you're going to come and rescue us from this dark world that we're living you're going to come and save us jesus and they understood that and so many of them had crossed that faith line and look at how jesus responds it's so interesting Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. Now, if this were me, my Twitter page would blow up. I would be live tweeting with Jesus right now, just to declare that he's the Messiah. Like, you know, we, you know hashtags, make this thing go viral, rent some billboards, you know, put some signs in my car, bumper stickers. I want the world to know that, that Jesus is the Messiah. But why is Jesus like, shh, chill out, dude? Why is he telling them to not say anything, because Jesus isn't like the Messiah that they think he is. You see, the Jews have been waiting for a Messiah that's going to be more like John Wick and take everyone out, take all the Romans out, rather than the Messiah that he's about to describe himself as. Look what it says here. It says, and he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders. The chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and on the third day, be raised to life. The disciples are like, Jesus, this ain't the John Wick we were waiting for. This ain't the Messiah that we were were praying for. We thought you were going to come and have us get swords, and we were going to go to war. Take out the Romans, and take back Israel, and it's going to be awesome. But, But instead of being a warrior Messiah, he is a wounded one. Instead of being one that the leaders are rejoicing in, he is a rejected one. Instead of a boss who is killing it, he is the one who gets killed. This suffering Messiah was not what they were expecting. And what Jesus says next was really not what they were expecting. He says, He said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. What the the heck does that mean, Jesus? Jesus saying this, hey, you, you want to follow me? You, you want to come after me? you got to be ready to die. Are you ready to die? Are you willing to put your entire life on the line, your entire being on the line to follow me? Are you ready to die? I'm sure the disciples are like, this was not what we were expecting tonight, Jesus. We were expecting maybe sports, maybe some stories, an invitation to death. Wow, that's... That's a lot. But not just giving their lives, literally dying to every aspect of their life. Difficult things. And then Jesus kind of ends by saying this. He says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very soul?" Jesus, you know, sometimes I don't like what Jesus says, because I'm like, man, Jesus, that's hard. Like, there's a lot of things about the world I like. There's, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things about my life I like, Jesus. I like things that are easy, that are convenient, but Jesus, like, I don't, like, what are you trying to say here? And then he kind of wraps it up by saying this, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them. When he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. You know, I don't think any of us would say, well, you know, I'm ashamed of the words of Jesus, but we can say one thing, but then look at how we live our lives. Are we really willing to live our lives on the words of this man who we declare our Messiah? You know, sometimes I look at the words of Jesus, and they're kind of challenging, aren't they? They're kind of inconvenient. Like, Jesus, like, it's a lot easier for me to cheat on my taxes because then I have more money, I have more money to give to the church, you know. But you're calling me to d- deny myself? You're calling me not to pick a fight with my ex when we're fighting over co-parenting, but Jesus, you don't know what they're saying. F- forgive them? I don't know. You want me to forgive the people who've hurt me? I don't know, Jesus. That's that's not realistic i got to be standing up for my rights. But he calls us to come and die. If you're in the disciple stage of your spiritual development, that's a little bit of what it's about. Really, in this stage, your next step is you have to give up to go up. You've got to give up to go up, if you're taking notes. Because it's this realization that your life is not your own. You belong to King Jesus. He is your CEO. He is the one that is in charge of every aspect of your life. And part of being a disciple is we learn more and more things that we need to give up. Things like, man, uh, God, thank you so much for these kids. Oh, they're not my kids. They're yours. i got to surrender them to you? Oh, God, thank you so much for my finances and for this house and, and all this stuff. Oh, it's they're not my finances? They're, they're yours? That's not what I... Expected. Or, or God, I like to have everything in control. I like everything being my way. I, uh, oh, I'm not in control. I have to surrender my control to you. And when you're a disciple and you walk with Jesus, there's more and more things that He says, you need to give this up. You need to release it. You need to let it go in order to go up. Meaning you to have a perspective that's beyond the temporal, a perspective beyond what's just happening in the here and the now. And that's what God is challenging you and your disciple. To grow in generosity, to grow in compassion, to grow in love. And that means there's things that we're holding on to. Maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's fear that God is saying, you need to let go, let go of your anxiety. Trust me. The more we surrender, the more we let go, the more room we have for more of God's spirit to lead and guide and direct us and to give us peace in situations where we struggle with peace. The discipleship stage is also the stage where we move from consumers to contributors. And this is really hard because we live in a culture that literally incentivizes being a consumer. We have literally been trained to expect same-day delivery when we click on the button at Amazon, right? that's what we're kind of used to. It's like, you know, it's all about my convenience. It's all about what works for me. If it doesn't work for me, well, then I'm going to go do something else and find somewhere else to go. See, that's the challenge, is that we live in a a society that caters to being a consumer, and sometimes in the church we do that, but really God has called you and I to be contributors, to contribute our time, our talent, and our treasures. It's not about me, it's about how do I serve others? How do I give of myself to those around me? we got to give up to go up, move from consumers to contributors. And those are not easy things. These are things that take a lifetime to develop if you're a disciple. And these are things, though, that lead to maturity, to grow in our faith. So I want to kind of spend our time looking at how do we actually do this? Like, like get real practical. Like, what, what does this actually look like? And I want to share with you three ingredients That if you're a disciple, if you identify yourself in that disciple stage, that you need to have in your life that will grow you up, that will mature you in your faith. And so the first is this, is every disciple needs applied knowledge. You see, mature followers of Jesus prioritize learning. We are called to be learning All the time learning. What does the Bible say? Reading our Bible. What does it say? What does it mean? How do I actually apply this to my life? Understanding theology. A little bit of the basics of church history. Like as disciples, we are called to learn. It's a priority that we should always be looking for biblical instruction to kind of grow our faith. In fact, we saw that in the passage we just read in verse 18. It says when Jesus was praying in private, when his disciples were with him, he asked them, "Who do the crowds say?" Often Jesus would kind of gather his disciples privately and give them like a coaching session. He would do a teaching session. So his teaching was, all right guys, who do, who do people say that I am? What do they believe about me? What do they believe about me? He, he's talking about what are you learning? What do you understand? And he's kind, of, kind of kind of testing them in that way as a, as a rabbi does. But one of the things that we notice here is that it doesn't just stop with head knowledge. In fact, that's where Jesus goes, hey, are you ready to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me? You see, sometimes we can kind of make the mistake and say that head knowledge is the same thing as spiritual maturity, but it's actually not. Uh, Think of knowledge, biblical knowledge like this as calories, right? You guys know how calories work. Calories are like a unit of measurement. Like your body needs a certain number of calories to function. Like you need a certain number of calories to like, you know, to blink, to stay awake, to chew your food, whatever it is. Like you need a certain number of calories so that you can function uh, as a human being. And if you have less calories, you don't function as well if you have too many calories, those calories get transformed into fat cells, right? And we get fatigued, and we get tired, and we just aren't running at an optimal level. And the same is true when it comes to biblical knowledge. We can have more biblical knowledge than we can actually apply into our lives. And you've met people who you can talk to them, and they can drop Bible verses, they have all this knowledge, but they're jerks. They have all this knowledge, but they're still bitter, and they're still angry, and there's still all these kind of, you're like, man, this guy, you know, on paper he looks good, but where are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience. Why don't I see those things? Because sometimes, and I think this is what we do in Western culture, we mistake information for transformation. If I get more information, I'll be transformed. No, you see, here's the thing. Jesus says it best. He says this, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into What? Nice and not church, into what? Practice. Type the word practice if you're watching online. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Essentially what Jesus is saying this is knowing truth isn't enough. You have to apply it. Knowing truth isn't enough. Is it applying? Are you applying it? Is it getting from your head into your heart and into your hands and into your feet? That's the kind of knowledge that disciples need. And one of the benchmarks in maturity, like when I think of people who are mature, it is they have this applied knowledge, but they're also what I call self-feeders. Self-feeders. They, they've learned how to, how, to, how to read the Bible for themselves and understand it. They've learned to pray, and they're doing it on their own. You know, over the years, I've been a pastor now for about 12, 13 years, but I'll sometimes have people come up to me and say, you know, uh, Pastor Nathan, I, I don't really feel like I'm being fed. Like, I I just don't feel like I'm growing any deeper in my faith. I just don't feel like I'm being fed. And So we have a great conversation because I kind of want to know, what do you mean by being fed? And, And usually, or sometimes I'd say, that person is bringing an assumption that they don't realize that they're bringing into the conversation. The assumption is this, that, hey, if you're the pastor or the elder or you're like my city group leader, you should be feeding me. You should be kind of dropping, you know, truth bombs and giving me all this knowledge. And while if you're spiritually curious or a new believer, that's 100% the truth. Like, yeah, because they don't know what they don't know. And so we're trying to help them grow. But as you're maturing in your faith, a mark of maturity is that you've learned how to study God's word for yourself. That you have a prayer life, a private kind of life with God that you've been developing on your own, and that you're growing in that area, that you're learning how to prune back different parts of your life, that, you know, I, I need to prune this back so I can make more space for God in my life. i got to take up my cross in my life in this area. And I think if you want to mature in your faith, it's learning how to be a self-feeder. And in order to do that, you need a plan. You need a plan, you need resources. I want to share with you something kind of help you if you're in that phase of learning to be a self-feeder, and it's the Uversion Bible app. How many of you guys have ever heard of Uversion? I think quite a few of you have. Uh, There's there's tons and tons of different Bible apps. I think if you don't have a Bible app, you should download one. You should also have a hard copy. You know, you can have both. They're not mutually exclusive. But one of the things I love about Uversion is they have, I think, thousands of Bible reading plans. They have Bible reading plans for couples. They have Bible reading plans for parents. They have Bible reading plans for teenagers. They have Bible reading plans for you name it, they've got it. And one of the things that's also kind of fun about the YouVersion app is you can actually invite other people to read the Bible with you. So you can actually put you and your spouse on there. You can read the day's scripture. Then you can kind of comment about what you learned from it. And, and, And then you're also kind of growing together because you're reading God's word together and you're growing through applying that knowledge. And so if you're looking at, hey, what's one way, what's your next step for 2023 to grow, consider getting a Bible reading plan. Maybe you want to read the Bible in a year. Maybe you want to do a few different plans every quarter to help you grow. But I want to encourage you, make it a priority to grow in your understanding of Scripture. Because the more you understand Scripture, the more you understand God's will for your life. And if you want to go deeper, the way Jesus defines deeper is obedience. The more you obey Him in those ways. So that's the first ingredient of a disciple. It's to have applied knowledge. The second is this. It's serving inside and outside of the church. Part of maturity as a believer is that you need something to do. If you look at Jesus' followers, uh, they didn't just kind of follow around Jesus and kind of Jesus did all the work, right? They were actually very active. Like, you see the disciples, they're preaching, they're teaching, they're healing, they're casting out demons. Like, they're, they're, they're very active. They're going out doing all sorts of things. They're baptizing people. Because Jesus knew that he needed to give the disciples something to do to help them grow in their faith. Because these men had gifts and talents that he wanted them to use to be a blessing to others. And so that's important, to be able to use our gifts and our talents so that we can grow our faith. In fact, Peter, reflecting on his time with Jesus, writes this. He says, each of you, talking about the church he's pastoring, use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Remember we talked about going from a consumer to a contributor. Part of that's like saying, hey, I want to take in your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your expertises, and your skills, and say, how can I use this to build up God's people and bless the world around me? And that's something that, as followers of Jesus, and we want to mature in our faith, when we serve, it matures us. It strengthens us. We get a a sense of God's presence in what we do. Maybe some of you are thinking, you know, Nathan, I would love to use my gifts. I I really would, but if I'm honest, I I don't really know what my gifts are. I don't really know, you know, how to sharpen my gifts, how to activate them, how do I use them, so, so, you know, what do I do with that? Well, we have an opportunity, a learning opportunity, to help you grow in that area of learning your spiritual gifts. On March 4th, we're going to have a seminar called Discover Your Spiritual Gifts. Uh, Dr. Ron Walborn is going to be leading it. Ron is the uh, dean of Alliance University in New York City. It's going to be March 4th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., if you're interested or you know someone who wants to learn more about how to use their spiritual gifts, how do you identify them, how do you activate them, and how do you develop them so that you can have ultimate kingdom impact, I want to invite you to come out to this event. Uh, And maybe you're even wondering, well, Nathan, what about those other gifts, you know, the ones that, you know, like, you know, prophecy and tongues and the miraculous stuff, how does that fit into this? Well, this is a great time for you to come and learn how do all the spiritual gifts work, How do they work in the local church? I want to encourage you guys, don't miss out. It's March 4th. you got some time to plan. But this is going to be a great time for us to kind of learn together how we can grow in our understanding of God's gifts. Because the spiritual gifts are not meant for you. Your gifts are meant for me. They're meant for one another. My gifts, they're not for me. They're, They're for you. They're for the church. Our gifts are made to bless one another and build up God's church, but also to bless those outside Of our church. Guys, here's my heart is that as you serve in the church, as you serve other people, that that will actually sharpen you, equip you, give you confidence to use your gifts and your talents outside of our walls. Like what you do in here is training for what God wants you to do out there. I know that many of you, you serve on parent teacher organizations using your gifts and your talents, that many were identified here in church when you were serving those leadership giftings. I know that some of you are very involved with with or, with organizations like Thrive. Thrive is, is an organization that helps immigrants and refugees and you go and you use your gifts there so that you can be a blessing there as your as these folks are learning ESL and things like that. Remember, your gifts are meant to, yes, build up God's people, build up the body, but also bless those that are outside of our walls. When we are able to do that, that's how we grow. That's how we mature. And this brings me to the third ingredient, which is this, intentional relationships. Intentional relationships. Uh, Since COVID, COVID's made this worse, we are living in a really lonely world. People struggle with loneliness. It's it's an endemic issue. In fact, people were saying that we had two pandemics. We had one with COVID-19 and the other one was with loneliness and isolation. In fact, maybe some of you have noticed this, that it's actually harder to make friends in your 30s and 40s, like, there's just something that happens where it's just really hard for people to make friends, and it can be really difficult and really challenging. And, and sometimes, you know, we come to church, it's like, you know, it's great to see everyone once a week, but do I really want to see some of these people, like, later in the week, too? Like, I don't know, like, I, you know, I, I, yeah, maybe, maybe not, I'll see. Well, you know, I remember a couple years ago, um, a friend of mine I was going to another church, he invited me to his small group. And, you know, I was just like, I don't know, man, like, I don't know if I want to hang out with all those church people, like, I'd rather just, you know, be with my friends. Like, I don't need any more friends. Like, I'm good. I'm good. And so this friend of mine, like, he knows me. So there's certain people, like, we know, you, the, who know you, like, they'll really push you on something. So he pushed me. He goes, bro, I know what you and your friends do. You know, all you, all you guys do is sit around and watch South Park all day. Like, come on, man. Remember I talked about vulnerability last week? Vulnerable moment, okay? Your pastor at one point was watching way too much South Park, okay? Don't tell my wife I'm sharing that, she will be embarrassed. But listen, it's just just the reality. So, you know, my friend challenged me on that, and I was like, all right, fine, I should do something intentional to grow my faith. Uh, And so I joined his small group. And I'll be really honest, it was super awkward at first. Like I I was like in my early 20s, single, and there's this one couple with like a couple small kids in the group there was this other couple, and, you know, they had just gotten married, you know, one of them had just been divorced, and so they were married, they were remarried, there was this other couple that was there, too, and, you know, they're just kind of odd, and whatever, and so, you know, you know, when you're in your 20s, and you think you know everything, like, that's where I'm at, so, um, was at, uh, now I know nothing, but, so we're in this group, and over time, what started to happen was, you know, we would intentionally open up God's Word together, And share with each other. Here's what this verse is saying to me, and here's what God's speaking to me through this. And we would intentionally share our burdens, like, "Hey, I'm really struggling. You know, I'm really struggling with parenting right now, or I'm really struggling with anxiety and depression." We'd love some prayer here. You know, we're trying to figure out what to do, and you know, you know, and and so we'd all kind of really take these moments where we're being really vulnerable, and over time, just time and being honest and open. This became one of the best experiences of my life. Like, my faith grew because I had people in my life who really knew me. They didn't judge me. They understood all of my functions and dysfunctions. And they said, hey, we, we just want to sharpen one another. Proverbs 21.17 7, says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need intentional sharpening. Knives over time, they get dull. So they need to be intentionally sharpened. Who's sharpening you right now? That's why I encourage, you know, as our leaders, we all encourage you wherever you are on your spiritual formation pathway to get into a city group. When you're in a city group with other people, you're being intentional. You're intentionally opening up God's word and reading it. You're intentionally praying together. You're intentionally serving together. And you see, these three ingredients are important if you want to mature and be a disciple of Jesus. Like, to be a disciple, to grow in your faith, to maturity, involves having these three ingredients. And, you know, we talked about, okay, what's the next step? It's disciple-maker. But there's, you know, there's a, there's a mile marker that you have to go through first. You know, the first mile marker going from new believer to disciple is baptism, where you're saying, hey, I'm going public with my faith. The next mile marker for you is partnership. I know some of you are like, well, Nathan, that's not as sexy as baptism. Like, baptism, you go in the water, and you share your story, and it's really awesome. Partnership, it's like a class. Like, how does this get me to be a disciple maker? Well, here's the thing. Uh, We've been kind of looking at how we do discipleship here, and one of the areas that we want to kind of equip you in is how to become a disciple maker. We want to help you when it comes to self-feeding. We want to help you with applied knowledge and serving in and outside of the church and intentional relationships. And so I want to encourage you, if you're ready to take that next step and say, Nathan, I want to get more involved. I I want to see if I align with City Lions Church and want to be part of the mission and the vision. I want to encourage you to join us for our partnership class. If you kind of want to dip your toe in, next week we have what we call our first steps after the first service. You can come and check that out. But if you're ready to go to the next level, We have our partnership experience. Part one's going to be on February 11th. It's going to be after the service. And so we'll have some lunch and we'll have some time to get to know you. And then we're going to do it again on the 19th. But this is as a way to help you move into that phase of being a disciple maker. Kind of understanding where you're at in your walk with Jesus and what your next steps are. So I want to leave us with that question. What's your next step? What's your next step? Wherever you are in the spiritual formation pathway, if you're here, you're a disciple, or you're watching online, and you say, hey, this is where I'm at, how's your knowledge base? Are you applying what God's word says? Are you growing in your understanding of what the Bible teaches and theology and all these other areas? Are you Are you serving? Are you serving in the church? Are you bringing your gifts in the church to build up God's people, but also to bless those on the outside? The last, the least, the lost. And Do you have intentional relationships? Are there people that are in your life that are encouraging you, challenging you, sharpening you, so that you can become who God has called you to be? What's your next step? And I want to encourage you guys, for 2023, whatever that next step is, take that step. Because what's going to happen is, when you take a step closer to Jesus, he's going to reveal to you what the next step is. And as you draw nearer to him, you're going to become more like him. And people are going to be like, man, there's just something about James. Like When I'm with him, it's just like I feel like I'm with Jesus. Or, uh, man, when I'm with Brian, he just, he's, he just smells Christ-like whenever I'm with him. It's maturity. People notice it. People get it. And in fact, in many ways, that's what's most attractive to people to Christ. It sees when, when you're being transformed by Jesus, there's, a, there's an attraction to that man. Jesus is changing that person. I want some of that, and I think that's what we can do as we grow as disciples. Will you pray with me, Father? We started off talking this about this message where you give us the invitation to come and die, and that's pretty—that's um, hmm, pretty bold. But part of that is surrender. Part of that is trust. Part of that is saying, I want to be dead to everything else except your will, your purposes, and your desires for my life. And so God, I know right now you're speaking to your people right now. Maybe for some of you right now, there's an area that the Spirit of God is putting his finger on and says, you need to give up this thing. Maybe some of you are, are, are sensing something and you're like pulling away, it's like, I don't, I don't think so. No, that the Spirit's highlighted that. you take a moment right now just to confess that to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to surrender this to you. In the quietness of your heart, just go ahead. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your spouse. It could be a relationship status. Maybe there's someone that you need to forgive. You thought you had finished, but the Lord's saying there's another layer. Father, I don't know what your people are doing their business with, with you right now, but Lord, we come with open hands for some of us, what we're about to surrender to you feels like a risk, and is a risk. But we choose to live by faith, to live by trust. So Father, as we enter into this moment, would you meet us here? Would you mature us to be who you've called us to be for such a time as this, in Jesus' name? Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that today's message encouraged and inspired you. If you live in the Williamsport region of PA, we'd love to engage you in person. You can find more information on service times, city groups, and our incredible kids and youth ministry at citylions.org. That's citylions.org.